Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayigusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayers that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again and thank you for listening. So in today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about how to manage the power and authority and influence that God has entrusted to you as a pastor and ministry leader with his people. Um, one of the uh, former presidents of the United States, one of the first presidents, Abraham Lincoln, once said this. He said, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Wow, right? That's powerful. You know, um, out of all the nations that I have had the privilege of visiting, I don't believe that there's any other country in the world where pastors are so highly revered as as I've seen in Nigeria. Like, I know this is not true for every single pastor in Nigeria, but man, I have visited some denominations where pastors are treated like presidents and kings. I remember there was one church where the pastor was going to be a guest speaker at another church, and he had a police escort. I mean, this is stuff that they do for kings, right? And and sometimes these pastors, the words that come out of their mouth are treated like absolute law. You would be amazed at how many times I have heard Nigerian Christians use the term or you utter the phrase, do not touch the Lord's anointed as an excuse to defend certain preachers from criticism or, or for tolerating toxic and unhealthy behavior among church leaders. So here's the deal. Mindlessly quoting that passage to protect pastors is a recipe for disaster. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk to leaders directly. I'm going to talk to you, pastors and ministry leaders. And the question that we're going to tackle today is this, how are you exercising the power and authority that God has entrusted to you? Are, are you wielding your power and influence with humility and reverence? Or are you an abusive leader who uses your authority to manipulate people and take advantage of those entrusted to you? By the way, this question applies to you, whether you are the founder or general overseer of your own denomination, whether you're a district supervisor, whether you're the pastor of a small church or even a Sunday school teacher, each one of us carries a certain amount of power and authority in our sphere of influence. And so in today's episode, I'm going to show you the danger that lies ahead um, if this has been your pattern of operation 
um, by, and we're going to do this, we're going to look at this by exploring the life of one of the most powerful kings in all of scripture. Uh, this man, who we're going to talk about today, lived in the 6th century before Jesus Christ, and you all know him. Um, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, and his story is in the Old Testament book of Daniel, the second chapter. So a little bit of history. Um, at, at this point in history, the Babylonian Empire had risen to prominence because they had displaced the Assyrians and the Egyptians before them. And, and basically, Babylon had become the dominant world superpower. They were number one, right? And, and they were being led by King Nebuchadnezzar, who, who was a great king. In fact, it's at the height of his power that the book of Daniel chapter 2 tells us that the most powerful man on earth had a restless night because of some dream that God had sent to him. It's in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Let me read it for you. It says, In the second year of his reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. And so the king summoned his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and they stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. All right, so uh, there's more to this chapter, and I'm going to get to it as we go along. But let me just say this up front, that from Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the interpretation of the dream that the prophet Daniel is going to give him, here's the central thought, the big idea that we as pastors and ministry leaders can learn, and it's this. No matter how powerful and how influential you become, and listen to me, uh, some of you listen to this are on track to become mightily used by God. I, I'm saying like in the next few months, next few years, some of you will see that God will bless and expand your territory and your ministry will have some profound impact. So, so when that day gets here, I want you to know this, that no matter how powerful and how influential you become, don't ever forget that your power and your authority has been given to you by God. It's been entrusted to you by God. And there are three realizations that the king, that King Nebuchadnezzar would have to go through before he finally receives this truth. Because when we meet him, he is not a humble king. He, he doesn't believe that his power is from God. He believes it's all about him. But there's three things, three realizations that this man is going to learn that you and I as pastors need to learn. Realization number one is this, that you are never as powerful as you think you are. You're never as powerful as you think you are. You know, uh, for Nebuchadnezzar, um, in his dream, so in his dream, he sees this gigantic and just incredible dazzling statue in his dream. And this statue is made of different um, precious materials. Some of them not so precious, others precious. And so this statue is huge. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, according to uh, this, according to Daniel chapter 2. Um, the chest and the arms were made of silver. Its belly and its thighs were made of bronze. Its legs was made of iron. And its feet were a combination of iron and clay. I mean, it is just a, an amazing thing to see in your dream. By the way, um, if you are listening to today's episode on our website, that's the Gathering Faith Leadership 
www.thepodcastpage.network. If you're listening to this on our podcast page, there is a link to a video on YouTube where somebody actually created an animation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. I mean, it's incredible. So if you want to head over to uh, our website, thegatheringfakeleadership.network, on that page, there's a link there where you can watch that video. Anyway, uh, just so you know, Nebuchadnezzar in this dream, this dream was symbolic, right? This was a God-sent dream. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful world leader at the time, and so God was actually showing him through this dream the successive world kingdoms that would rise to power after his empire. That's what the dream is about. In fact, later on in this chapter, the prophet Daniel explains to the king in verse 37, he says, Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor, and he has made you the ruler over all the world and even put the animals under you, right? And then Daniel says to him in verse 38, You, King Nebuchadnezzar, are that head of gold. Now, if you are King Nebuchadnezzar and you have all this power and you just had this dream and Daniel just told you you're the head of gold, it's going to feed your pride, even though that's not the intention of the dream. But the, the, this vision would have fed Nebuchadnezzar's pride thinking, oh, wow, he is somebody. He is great. Unfortunately for him, in that same dream, that huge statue he saw that he thinks represents him had the feet of clay and iron which is not a very strong material. In fact, it easily crumbles. In fact, in verse 34, Daniel explains that as you, as the king was watching, a rock which came from heaven uh, and not made by human hands knocked the statue and struck its feet of iron and clay and smashed it to bits. And so you got to understand that this was King Nebuchadnezzar's worst nightmare, right? He sees himself as this great big statue, but it crumbled in that dream. It's also why he wakes up in a deep panic because that dream showed him that he's not as powerful as he thought he was and that his empire, which represented in the statue, would soon fail or at a minimum, someone in his administration was about to take over and destroy his empire. And this story is the story of every pastor who has turned their position of power and authority into an idol. You see, those people whose idol is power want people to see them as being great and influential and successful and dominant. Therefore, their greatest nightmare is humiliation or a loss of that power. You see, for people like this whose idol, who worship power, they are terrified of losing power. In fact, for them, it's not even, it's not about winning for them. For them, it's about being stronger than other people. It's about looking better than other people. It, it, it's, it's, it's about not losing. They wanna have a bigger church and a bigger building and a bigger program, as long as it's bigger than the other people. And if you ever threaten their ability to hold on to power, it results in explosive anger. In fact, if you've ever had a pastor or a leader or a boss who, who is threatened and just reacts explosively whenever he's challenged, that's a sign that power is an idol for that person. In fact, King Nebuchadnezzar is a good example of this because when he calls his advisors to come in and says they should interpret what this dream means and they say, well, they can't do that, he immediately goes into a rage. He orders in that same chapter that immediately all the wise men in Babylon should be executed. Think about that, right? His 
idol is being threatened and so he feels threatened and just wants to wipe everyone out. You see, the reason why you and I are not as powerful as we think we are and will never be as powerful as we think we are is because every power, every authority we have in the church or outside the church was never ours to begin with. It was never ours to begin with. It's we're borrowed. So listen, if you are a powerful and influential leader, understand that right now you are on borrowed time. You're on borrowed time. In fact, First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12 says, says about God, it says, Riches and honor come from you alone, O God. And you, that's God, are the ruler of all mankind. So God is the ruler, not you. And it says, your hand, O God, controls power and might, and it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. That means that you may be the founder of your own mega church. Uh, you may have grown your church from your preaching style or leadership gifts, but understand this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So realization number one that'll help you actually grow is to understand that you may not be as powerful as you think you are. So humble yourself. Realization number two that we learned from King Nebuchadnezzar is not only that you're not as powerful as you think you are, but the power and authority that you have is only for a season. It's only for a season. Just to clarify, this podcast isn't intended to, to scare you, unless, of course, it scares you into godliness. But the intention is to humble you and to help you approach your leading with a humble heart. You know, uh, one of the more important aspects of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream is that it shows that no one kingdom remains in power forever. Uh, let me read to you verse 39 to 45 how Daniel interprets the king's dream. Remember, the statue that he saw, the head of gold, represents King Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian kingdom. Well, verse 39, Daniel says, But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom that's made of silver which is inferior to yours, will rise to take your place. And then after that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by the bronze will rise to rule the world. And then following that kingdom, there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron. And that kingdom will smash and crush all the previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet that you saw and the toes that were a combination of iron and clay uh, shows that that final kingdom will be, or that next to final kingdom will be divided. And like iron that's mixed with clay, it'll have some strength of the iron, but also weakness of the clay. While some of it may be as strong as iron, some of it will be weak as clay. And this mixture of iron and clay shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. In fact, during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. And that kingdom will crush all of these kingdoms into nothingness. And that last kingdom will stand forever. And that's the meaning of the rock that was cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king that what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. All right, that's a lot that I just read. All right, so let, let me try and sum up, sum it up as best as I can. Because God is trying to show Nebuchadnezzar a lot of things here. Like, like all of these are prophetic 
and symbolic pictures of what will happen. And, and God is basically saying, listen, your kingdom is not going to be at the top forever. Other kingdoms will rise, which, you know, as I was reading this passage, I was thinking about even Nigeria here and people that are in governmental leadership positions and even in the church who act like they are kings forever. Listen, God himself says there's a time for every activity under the sun. And, and, and what this dream is showing King Nebuchadnezzar is that, listen, you're going to be king, but for a short period, there is a kingdom that will eventually come at the end of time in our future. That's Jesus's kingdom that will be greater than all of these kingdoms. But before then, kingdoms will rise, kingdoms will fall. Pastors will rise, pastors will fall, right? In the end, all human kingdoms and all government crumble, right? Like that was true then, and it's still true today. No one empire, nation, king, pastor, dictator, or president remains in power forever. Like, think, like, listen, there was a time when the Egyptians, right? Like right now, the United States is probably the number one world superpower, maybe China and then Russia. But listen, there was a time in history when an African nation was the world prominent power, right? Like the Egyptians were the world's preeminent power at one point. But guess what? Pharaohs died and their power and influence declined. Like there's a reason why you haven't seen any Assyrians these days, right? Um, th there have been great church leaders throughout history, all of whom eventually died and are standing before Jesus to give an account for their lives. So this dream, once again, is a warning to everyone whose idol is power. And here's what it's telling us. It's telling us that there is a countdown clock on your reign. It's inevitable. Whether you are a godly leader or a wolf in sheep's clothing, your time in power will ultimately come to an end. So the question isn't how long you're going to be in power. The question is, while you have that power and authority, have you faithfully and responsibly used it to serve and honor God? Did you treat the men and women that God entrusted to you with loving care and compassion? Did you encourage their gifts? Did you call out the best in them? Or did you use the people God entrusted to you as your own personal labor force to build your kingdom? Listen, no matter how long you've been in power or you think you're going to be in power, your time is short and you will soon be called to give an account to Jesus Christ for how you manage the power and authority that's entrusted to you. And by the way, if you're in ministry, consider the words of James chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. <laughs> like that passage sends shivers down my spine. And in fact, that passage should give every man and every woman in the pulpit a holy moment of pause. And the goal here isn't for you to run and quit ministry out of fear of judgment, but rather the goal is for you to carefully weigh every word that you proclaim is from God and to wield and to use with reverence the power and authority that God has entrusted to you. Listen, no matter how powerful and influential you are or become, don't ever forget that your power and authority has been entrusted to you by God. And that brings us to the last and final realization that King Nebuchadnezzar had that we can learn from. And it's this, uh, that your power can be taken from you and restored back to you at God's discretion. So for Nebuchadnezzar, it would seem that he finally, he got this message, right? In Daniel chapter two, verse 46 to 47, when Daniel explains to him that, listen, God is showing you what's going to happen in the future. Nebuchadnezzar actually, it seems to us, bows down before Daniel, 
praises Daniel, praises the God of Daniel. In fact, he says that the God of the gods and the Lord of kings, that Daniel's God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. And so King Nebuchadnezzar blesses Daniel. He even promotes him. And so we would think that, oh, this man finally learned his lesson. Well, not exactly. It appears it was just temporary humility. I say that because by the time we get to chapter 3, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue that's about 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up in the most prominent place in his land so that everyone can see it. And then he tells the national choir that all the peoples of all races and all the nations and all the languages are to bow down to the ground and worship this statue. So here we have in one chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that God's trying to use to teach him to humble himself. In the next chapter, Nebuchadnezzar's like, forget that dream. I'm just going to build a statue of gold that looks like me that everyone can worship. It's as if he has completely forgotten or he's choosing to ignore what God showed him in the earlier chapter. And, and you know, I, I feel like Nebuchadnezzar here represents how many leaders, and honestly, not only even in Nigeria, but around the world, mostly in Africa. I feel like this is how many leaders within the church act today. I've seen many pastoral leaders who forcefully remain in positions of power and authority over their church long after God has removed his anointing over their lives and has appointed someone else to step in. They keep insisting that they're going to lead those churches, which by the way, is the same sin that King Saul committed after God had rejected him and anointed David to lead Israel. You see, Nebuchadnezzar is still refusing to accept the idea that his power and his authority was given to him by God. And so it's for this reason that in chapter 4, God sends him another dream as a final warning in Daniel chapter 4. You see, in this second dream, God shows King Nebuchadnezzar a vision of um, this massive tree that provides food and shade for the whole earth. But then in this dream, as Nebuchadnezzar is seeing this tree, an angel comes down from heaven and declares that that tree should be cut down, its branches broken off, and its leaves and its fruits scattered. But they should leave the bottom part of the tree and the root in place and tie it up with a bronze and iron. And then the angel explains to Nebuchadnezzar in the dream that the tree actually represents the king. Because verse 15, he says, let him, that's the tree representing Nebuchadnezzar, it says, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth and let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times, which by the way represents seven years, till seven times pass by for him. So um, because I've read this whole chapter and most of you have, here's what we know. Um, God was actually warning Nebuchadnezzar that if you don't humble yourself, you're going to go mad, right? That's essentially what this is. Well, the king chose the path of stubbornness and rebellion because when we get to chapter 4, verse 30 in the book of Daniel, it says that one afternoon while the king was going on a walk on the roof of his royal palace, he's admiring his kingdom, looking at all the kingdom, and he says to himself, is in verse 30 of Daniel chapter 4, he says, is this not the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. You see what he's doing there. He's completely ignoring the creator and taking, uh, taking credit for the created thing. And immediately verse 31 says this. 
While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven and said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. Now, it's not a good day when God starts with that, right? And God says to him, you are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. And seven periods of time, that seven years, will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives to anyone that he chooses. And that same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He began to eat grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. And he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. If this doesn't bother you as a leader, I don't know what will, right? In fact, I think one of the greatest ironies of sin is that when we humans try to become like God, we actually end up becoming more like animals. Well, fortunately for King Nebuchadnezzar and true to God's word, after seven years had passed, Nebuchadnezzar's sanity was restored and he was truly humbled and he worshiped God because verse 36, he says, he himself is the one telling the story and he says, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor, so did my glory, and so did my kingdom. And my advisors and my nobles sought me out and I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even a greater honor than before. So pastors, let's go back to the question we began with at the beginning of this podcast and it's this, how have you been exercising the power and authority that God has entrusted to you? How have you been treating the church of Jesus Christ that has been entrusted to you? Have you been loving them like the bride of Christ or have you been treating them like your personal labor force? Let me end this podcast by giving you some very practical ways, practical tips that you can begin exercising, begin using so that you can begin honoring God with your power and authority. A couple of things. Number one, um, Learn from humble leaders. Um, read books, speak directly to, or study the life of leaders who demonstrate humility. So look around you. Are there men or women in leadership who demonstrate Christ-like humility? What can you learn from them? If you don't know anyone personally, are there books about leaders that you look up to who demonstrate humility, whom you can learn from? Learn from those who've gone before you. Number two, um, listen, man, I'm laughing because this one feels convicting for me. Okay. Um, listen more than you talk, uh, practice listening more than you do talking. You see, when God blesses a leader and their ministry begins to grow, that leader may begin to believe that it was their skill and their insight that made the organization grow. But the truth is that God has brought people on your team who know things you don't know and who can do things that you can't do, and they actually end up complimenting you to strengthen the things that God's placed in you. And for this reason, many of us who are at the top in leadership should focus on listening and learning rather than just constantly sharing what we think people should do. Number three, include others in your decision process. You know, one of the most impactful lessons, leadership lessons that I personally have learned uh, earlier on in ministry was to bring others along with me, not only physically, but even in developing vision, right? As God is putting things on your heart, bring it to those who work with you and share it with them. God may have given them a piece of that same vision that you don't have yet. And the reason why you don't fully know how to move forward is because you haven't brought them into it. 
So allow room for others to bring input to dream along with you. Number four, make it a big deal when your team members do well. Celebrate them, right? This communicates how much you value them. It creates loyalty to the organization and also to you. And then be generous with your words of affirmation. Thank them, give them notes, give them gifts if you can afford it, and give them direct feedback. Number five, take the blame quicker than you take credit. What I mean by that is this, um, when your organization or your church does really well at something, give credit to your team. When your organization or your church doesn't do well at something, you as a leader should be willing to take the blame. So take the blame quicker than you take credit. Number six, treat everyone with respect regardless of who they are, right? So, so everyone from the gate man who's watching your compound to your you know, co-leaders, man, treat them with respect, honor them. You know, uh, Hey, listen, scripture says sometimes many of us have entertained strangers not knowing that we were actually entertaining angels. So I'm just saying your gate man might be an angel, but that's not even a point. But um, treat everyone with respect regardless of who they are. And then um, maintain an attitude of gratitude. Don't always, always constantly be thankful. Be thankful of where you are because remember, your power may very well be just for a season. So these are just a few practical ways that you can honor God with the authority and power that he has entrusted to you, knowing full well that on the day of accountability, when you stand in the presence of God's blazing glory, you want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. That's the goal of every pastor, that we would live such lives and lead such ministries that Jesus will someday say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I pray that God helps you live as godly leaders in humility and with integrity. God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review and give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ.